Welcome to episode 36 of the Search with Candor podcast, recorded on Friday the 15th of November 2019. My name is Mark Williams-Cook and this week we're bringing you part two of Big Site SEO with Andrew Smith. So last episode we had Andrew Smith, the ex head of SEO for Expedia, Cheap Flights and eDreams. He came and did very kindly an interview with me just talking about the ins and outs of big site SEO. And we got a load of really good feedback about that interview. Lots of people really keen to hear more from Andrew. And after actually I, I spoke to Andrew, he did a talk at our Search Norwich SEO meetup event about big site SEO. So that's what I want to give everyone today, which is the the recorded talk of Andrew doing that. If you go and look at the show notes as well at search.withcanda.co.uk, you can actually see the video of Andrew doing his talk and you can download his slides there as well. So we did the interview. The talk is actually a lot more actionable, if you like. So he's put together that content. He goes into the ins and outs of how to report on big sites when you're doing big site SEO. And he looks at some of the common mistakes people make and where you need to focus your efforts on big sites. Because there's some issues like we covered in the podcast that aren't really a thing for small sites, but they're problems actually that scale with the, the size of the site and become uh, a real pain in the ass very quickly. So this is Andrew Smith from Search Norwich on the 7th of November, talking about big site SEO. Okay, so yes, big site SEO. I'll talk a bit about that, but first a little bit about me. This is my moment. So uh, SEO is pretty cool. It's taken me to London, Seattle, Barcelona, and now Norwich, which is like way up there. Um, but I'm quite lucky in that respect. So I, I work for Expedia. I started off in the UK there. Uh, and then I relocated to Seattle for, as SEO manager for Expedia.com. Um, more recently, I moved to Barcelona to work for eDreams Adigio. And it's, so SEO has been quite good to me. Um, I've enjoyed it. You know, I, I've done a lot, worked at lots of cool companies. Back in 2007, so I was looking for someone to help on Expedia and Mark was writing about some really like black hat, like, well, probably gray hat. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I've got to bring this up, right? And I kind of saw his blog and I thought, look, if this guy knows about this stuff, which is kind of really sort of gray and borderline black hat, then the things that I need, he's gonna probably going to find this really easy. Um, See, so I hired him and so I've known him for like 12 years now. And he'd done some really quite fantastic stuff for me at Expedia back in the day, and you know he's still doing some really cool stuff now. Um, now I mostly do like SEO consulting, so I help out a few clients. Um, my original vision was that I was supposed to be building a whole bunch of tools and lots of passive income, but then clients came to me and I didn't want to turn the work down, so that's what I've been doing for the last 18 months. 
Um, I, you know, call it what you like, call it grey hat, black hat, white hat, inbound marketing, we really like to rebrand it, but SEO is just SEO. What I like about it, and um, you know, the basis of it really stays the same. So kind of what, what is important for SEO, like content, technical, uh, your kind of technical information architecture, external links, they stay the same. It's always gonna stay the same. I don't think there's anything that's really gonna change that but it's kind of always evolving. There's always more to learn. There's always kind of different things that, that Google throw at us. So for me, it sort of keeps it interesting. There's lots of different problems to solve and I really like that about SEO. Okay, a bit about kind of big site SEO. So what is a big site? And this is something that Mark asked me during the podcast earlier. And I, I guess I would sort of define it as a site that maybe like 100,000 to a couple of million pages. Um, and those are the types of sites that I've generally been dealing with. And I'm going to go through a few sort of tips, but I think the first one is standardise your reporting. And what I mean by that is, I see a lot of teams that are like this, are like, shit, you know, we've got to do our SEO report, we've got to go and give an update to the C-levels or the management team, whatever. Or even if it's an agency, I think you still get agencies that are like this, are like, crap, we're meeting the client tomorrow, what good stuff are we going to tell them? You know, what have we been doing the past like month? And like this was also something my team were doing when I when I arrived at, um, at, at different places. The, the reporting's super like disorganised. Don't really know exactly what they're talking about like from one week to the next. And I think really it shouldn't be that way. So there's a few things to kind of remember on this, especially when you've got many, many, many websites that you need to report on. So I think the first, one, the first one is just set the cadence. I would say for your team, have daily reporting. Like your team really are going to care about the minutia of what is going on in SEO. So at the template level, at the page level, have daily reporting. If it's like 100 keywords that you care about, 1,000 keywords, 10,000, you know, a million, try and have daily reporting for that so you can get an idea of what's really going on. Focus on the key KPIs that matter, and those should be the KPIs that the business care about, not just the KPIs that the SEOs care about. So obviously traffic is going to be an important one, rankings is going to be an important one, like maybe you want to monitor the number of position one rankings you have in Search Console. But make sure if your business really cares about revenue, which all businesses do, if they really care about some specific KPI that's you know, super important to that business, make sure you're actually tracking that. But most importantly, make sure your team understand what that metric is actually about. Because what it's probably going to mean is you have a budget that you need to actually hit, a target that you've got to hit that is all about that KPI. So it really matters. Automate everything you can and set the format and stick to it. I think this is quite a simple one. But don't, you know, if your team are having to, to spend hours and hours and hours doing reporting on a fairly regular basis, that's bad, right? It's, a, it's wasted effort, okay? It's kind of effort of justifying your existence is how I always see it. And it's like, try to just automate what you can. Um, adjust for the, for the audience. So yeah, when it comes to like talking to C-levels, don't give them all the detail. They don't need it. They're not really that interested in it. What they care about is, are you hitting the budget? So focus on that. If you've got other detail that you need to share, put it in the appendix, but don't go into it. It's just, you, their, eyes, their eyes will glaze over. I've seen it so many times. I think the other one that teams quite often forget about is the competition. So they don't do reporting that kind of says, 
where are we versus the competition? You've all got access to tools. I imagine that do lists like Ahrefs does this pretty well, SEMrush does this pretty well, there's, there's Systrix, there's lots of tools, right? They're going to say, hey, our SEO is pretty good. In fact, it's really good. Look how, look how well we're doing versus these competitors over here. So sometimes an opportunity to make you look good, sometimes it might make you look a bit bad, but it's really important. Um, Google Data Studio is super, super good for this. Why? So if you've got, you know, if you're dealing with like 150 websites, 20 websites, or however many you've got in your market. So, I, you know, for companies that I've worked at, it's usually pretty much a website per, per country. It's really good for building. You can pull, and it's dead simple, right? It's super flexible. It's really simple. The first time I used Google, Google Data Studio, I spent about three hours like just clicking through stuff. And before I knew it, I was like, wow, I've made a report that is just going to self-update every single day. Um, so take the time to do it. You can pull data in from, from, from Google Analytics. There's a whole bunch of other connectors in there. It's really flexible. But for me, one of the best things about it was taking the budget, which you know the team has come up with for the year, has been agreed by the C-level execs, putting that into a Google, Google Sheet, and then plonking that into Data Studio. So there's a line that I can see that I know if I'm above that line, I'm above budget. If I'm below it, I'm below budget. It's really simple. Um, and I think the other cool thing about it is it's not, it's not just reporting. Um, you can create some really quite sort of actionable reports. So if you want to see, I don't know, if you want to see like the content that is kind of underperforming. So you might more, you can pull in a report from Search Console and you can see, oh look, over the last like seven days, here's the pages which have dropped the most in terms of traffic. So you can see kind of what that flux looks like and you can say, look, this is stuff that we need to go and fix over here. So it, it, to an extent, it could become part of your monitoring and not just your reporting. So next, um, like Stephen kind of talked a, a lot about this, but I would say monitor for cock-ups and clean house because this happens a lot, right? And I think when you're dealing with big site SEO, sometimes these cock-ups can really just make things so much worse. Like if you have a canonicalization issue and it affects 100,000 pages, it's much worse than if it's on a small site and it's you know, just a handful of pages that you're dealing with. So these are some of the things that I'd, I'd watch out for. So there's good tools that monitor like robots.txt. I think maybe Content King does this. OK, cool. Um, there's other ones. I used Roboto. There's Little Warden. But monitor for this because sometimes people make changes to it. And you don't realize. Suddenly, you've got chunks of your site have just been blocked. Uh, pages being miscanonicalized. I, I, had this lots of times where, where like my team are working on pages that get rolled out, and that, that like example of a staging environment, I've seen that happen as well at my own company that I've been working at, right? Developers roll it out, and you're like, how the fuck did that happen? So, you know, it happens, so it's really important just to be part of that, like, that testing process and, and look out for it. Stray, like no index, no follow, so pages are just getting no indexed. You didn't even realize. Sometimes the CMS fucks up, and you know, things get no indexed. Um, hidden external links. So this is one that I had where it's a bit like your example, actually, with the, with the badges kind of out, out there. So I was working on a website, and they provided content which got distributed elsewhere. So it was like their review content that got shown against other, like the same products, but on other websites. Um, and what happened, it was one big website. It was, you probably all know it, it's Tech Radar. Um, those guys were displaying reviews, and they decided to hide the links to the source of the reviews. So they just made them hidden links. 
So they're still there within the content, but they were hidden. That website lost 30, about 20, 30% of its traffic, just like that, and nobody really knew. And I was looking at it, next day I was like, what's going on here? No manual penalty, nothing really, there was no algorithm update, tracking all worked absolutely fine, and we were like, what's going on here? Turned out it was those links, so about, it took us about a week to track it down, it took them about almost another week for them to flip the change and, and fix it, and almost immediately that traffic came back, so we, we were pretty confident that's what it was. Um, tracking issues, this is like a big one. I was, I was talking to Stephen about this earlier, but um, one interview question I ask people is, if you come in tomorrow and traffic's gone down 40%, what would you do? And quite often, that is the reason, is tracking issues, right? You see it and it's like, don't shit your pants and think there must have been an algorithm update. Look internally first, okay? It's more likely that something got messed up internally than you got affected by something external. Um, some of these other things as well, but I think, you know, just be really aware of them. Try and put a system in place that's gonna, that you're gonna be not reactive to it, but proactive to it. So the monitoring's gonna tell you. So I think these monitoring tools are, are super important. Um, this one, like, I see clients like this all the time. Like, they say they wanna do some super, like, cool new feature but then you go into Google Search Console and they've got like hundreds of thousands of errors and you're like, how about we just fix this stuff first? Um, and Google is literally telling you to fix it. The cool thing about it as well is quite often the fixes scale really well. So if it's a, you usually see the same errors in, the same, in different markets, right? So you've got 10 websites and you're probably gonna see, actually if we fix this on one, it's gonna, we're gonna fix it on all of them. So, quite a good one to, to really focus on, but it's just so simple. Google's literally telling you these are things that are wrong, so stay on top of them. And quite, quite often it can be pretty simple, straightforward things. This one, so Google's just released a um, you know, change to this, so there's lots more reporting for it. But again, it's another thing that scales well. So quite often, it's a, if it's a speed issue on one site, it's gonna be a speed issue on another site, so focus on the speed issues. But I think one thing that I would really recommend for this, and uh, it kind of annoys me a bit, so the speed stuff quite often seems to sit with the SEOs, it's like, oh, it's your responsibility. It's, it's really not SEO's responsibility at all. It's like we, the SEO channel gets a benefit from it, but what I found works quite well here is to try and put the onus as, a, as kind of like an overall company target to say, look, you know, this is our target for load time. Let's everyone buy into it and let's try and achieve that. Because the only way you're really gonna fix it is probably gonna do lots and lots of small things over time. Rather than saying, oh look, we're gonna, we're gonna tackle site speed and you know, we're gonna do a big project. And then six months later, after you've done that, you see the speed starts going down because it wasn't like a, a sort of ongoing target. So I'd say it's a really good idea to try and set that as a target and get buy-in at the, at the really senior level. Um, and I think, the lastly, it's just, it's so much more important in a mobile world, this. Like, desktop first, it was, wasn't so much of a big deal. This is now super, super important. And I see, I see stuff with, with clients right now where, where I think the, the biggest difference is actually their mobile page speed. Like, their performance on, on mobile is quite poor. And maybe you yourself, if you go and search console, you might not see that you've got any fast pages. So. I see that in a lot of the clients that I've got, they haven't really got any pages which Google actually deemed to be fast. So I think there's a heck of a long way to go on this. Uh, 
Le next one is leverage your information architecture. So this is really quite common. Um, so this site, 87% of their pages have got less than 20 internal links. So you know, there's like over 200,000 pages here where Google is a bit like, well, how important is this page? You can't even be bothered to link to it more than 20 times. Um, and I think this is kind of something that on big websites gets really, really underutilized. So the, if you think of it this way, right, it's like I've got a website. I'm going to link to stuff more frequently that's more important. It's like a really simple way of telling Google, look, this is more important than that over there. Now, is it easy to do that? No, it's not that easy to do that. On a thousand page website, yes, you can probably get everything four clicks away relatively easily. On a million page website, it's much harder to do that. But there is a kind of another way of doing it. So uh, one way, one approach that's worked for me is to understand the keywords and say, okay, look, if I've got, let's say I've got 20,000 keywords that really matter here, I know, what key, I know what pages those keywords are kind of relevant for. I know, you know, I've, I've optimized at a template level. So I know my flights to New York page and my flights to Las Vegas page, and I know what each of those are for because I've sort of generated those pages from geography data. So I can take that search volume and I try and match up my internal links with my demand. So if effectively, what I'm going to do is I'm going to distribute internal links through my site based on the search volume. So the higher the search volume, the more internal links it's going to get. So the, these graphs, it kind of gives you a bit of an idea, but it's like if you imagine you've got like a pyramid, your site's like a pyramid, you're going to try and link up from the bottom and push that equity all the way up. I would say on a, on a big, really like a big website that's not doing this properly, you have a big change. So this graph at the top left, this was, we used like a page rank crawler for this. And basically, we adjust the, adjusted the way the internal links were going. So the purple part, that's how, the, that's how that internal page rank was being distributed before. We changed the internal links, and we effectively, what we've done is we've boosted internal page rank to a huge number of pages. This was like the top, I think, two or 5,000 pages, the ones that really mattered. And you can do this. You can basically sculpt your information architecture just with internal links. Um, <coughs> a few samples that are getting this right. So Etsy is a pretty good one in retail. They do some like cool linking to their category pages. Home2Go, so this is quite a different one because Home2Go have a pretty small website, but what they do on that website is really, really good. Um, so if you want a kind of great example of SEO, Home2Go. And other sectors like jobs, it, this works pretty well in jobs too. Like they're really like going at it when it comes to like all different facets of describing jobs in, in different ways. And CV Library is quite a good example of it. Uh, last thing. So my last tip is run A-B tests. So how do you run A-B tests in SEO? Well, it's, it's quite tricky. But you, if you've got a decent number of pages, so let's say, for example, you've got 10,000 pages which are about a particular subject. So maybe it's, I don't know, perhaps it's products, for example, on a retail site. If you've got 10,000 pages and the template for those products is fairly similar, right? It's pretty consistent. Yes, all right, the content's going to be a bit different. Just think of something that you're going to do on those and apply it to some of those pages. So if you've got 10,000 pages, do a random sample of 5,000 and apply it to those. Measure that 5,000 against the other 5,000, there's your A-B test for SEO, okay? All you're trying to do is increase traffic to those 5,000 pages. If it works, do it, roll it out on all of them. 
keep doing that. I would say the simplest thing to try and do it with is title tags. It's really simple change for you to make and you'll be able to measure it quite easily. Uh, this is just really for the slide share. So there's some links here of useful things and bits and pieces from what I've just been talking about. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that talk by Andrew Smith. If you are in or around Norwich, you can get here. We run the Search Norwich events every two months. You're more than welcome to join us. It's free to attend. You can find out more at searchnorwich.org. If you would like to see the transcription of this episode, get Andrew's slides from his talk or watch the video of him doing the talk, you can see that at search.withcanda.co.uk and you'll see write-ups, transcriptions, all the links, resources for all of the podcasts that we've ever done. And with that, I will leave you and I'll be back with you on Monday the 25th of November. Have a great week.